continue to build the church for the glory of God. Alright? <clears throat> and you remember in the time when Jesus was walking with a disciple, he asked a very, very important question. And it was recorded down in the Bible for us. And it was in this question he asked the disciple, Who do you think the Son of Man is? And of course, the disciples were giving different answers. He said, oh, some say you are Elijah, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Jeremiah, or maybe you are any other the prophets. But Jesus said, yeah, this is what other people say, but what do you say? And we all remember so well that it was Peter who somehow, you know, at that moment, he got the anointing of the Spirit upon him, and he said that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there, you know, Jesus said, blessed are you. Son of Jonah, uh, because it's not by flesh and blood that have been revealed to you, but by my Father in heaven. And we are also excited with the declaration of Peter that Jesus indeed is Christ, the Son of God. But the story did not stop there. The story did not stop there. And immediately after Jesus commanded uh, Peter with the right answer, now Jesus, is going to do some, uh, Jesus went on to say something that he's going to do. Right? And this is where... I want all of us, okay, I want all of us, sorry. My slide is not working. Can you help me click then? Let's backtrack, yeah. No, no, no. Go to my very first slide. My very first slide. Matthew. Yes. Okay, right? I think now I can click already. Okay, thank you. Shall we all read together? This is what Jesus, you know, told Peter. Shall we all read together? Ready? One, two. And I tell you... Amen, right? And this is what Jesus was telling Peter. He said that on this rock, I will put, build my church. And in this passage of scripture, there are at least a few things we can gather. First of all, Jesus is saying that he would personally build the church. He would personally do it. In other words, he will not delegate it to anybody else. He's not going to outsource this to anybody else. And the second thing we learn from here is that, that when Jesus personally built the church, no one can stand against it, not even Satan. He said the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. Uh, the church will always be marching on. Uh, he was, he's going to strengthen the church. And, not, and finally, he says something very important. He said he will endow the church with power and with authority. With power and authority because he said whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. And this is the authority that Jesus has given to the church of God. And that Jesus has decided in his heart and he proclaimed to the disciples that he's going to build the church on a solid foundation, uh, that no evil can, come, uh, can overcome it, and the disciples will be empowered. He was committed to ensure that his plan and his goal for the church would prevail. Jesus will ensure that it will prevail. Not only that, you realize that Jesus was willing to do everything, anything and everything he can do to build the church 
and to preserve the church. So the church is not just a passing fad. It is not just something that Jesus built while he was on earth and then boom, it was gone. No, it's something that Jesus is going to preserve it. Uh, in other words, Jesus loved the church. Jesus loves the church. And therefore, I would entitle our message this morning as I love the church. Jesus loved the church and we must love the church as well. And Jesus was willing to do anything for the church. So in the same way, Jesus wants to love the church and be committed to the church. We must look at Jesus as the example of how uh, we can love the church as well. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the word that you have given to us. For the very promise of Jesus that he has built the church and indeed he has, O oh God. And that's why we are here as a church of God. And we pray, Lord, that may you continue to speak to our heart, that we realize, Lord, that the church that Jesus built is not just a human organization. It's not being formed, it's not formed by flesh and blood, but it's really, oh God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray that you continue to speak to our heart, that we will have a sense of connection with one another, because, Lord, we are all born into your kingdom. So speak to us, challenge us, encourage us, and draw us closer to you and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Of course, the first thing that Jesus did was that he sacrificed for the church. Now, very quickly, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 16. What we have just read, we have just read the first uh, two, uh, the, the, uh, two verses that I asked you to read. That was verse 18 and verse 19. But I want you to continue with the story. I want you to continue with the story, what's next after that? Jesus did not just stop there and say, you know, they have given the church the authority, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. It went on further, it's a continuation. Uh, then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was a Christ. And now I want you to look at verse 21. Verse 21 to verse 23. From that time on, which time? The time when Jesus said he will build his church. He said from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he might be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Wow. It's very strange. Right after telling his disciples that he would build her church, then he went on telling them that he would suffer many things. Not only suffered, he would even die and would be raised again. Right? So in other words, it was necessary for him to build the church. His suffering was necessary for him to build the church. His death was necessary for him to build the church. His resurrection was necessary for him to build the church. But somehow, Peter couldn't get it. He thought Jesus was so proud with my first answer that he is the Christ of the Son of the living God. And Jesus, you know, kind of commended me, you know, and gave me a good compliment that, well, you know, I have received it from God. So he was, you know, becoming very confident, overly confident. And this time when he heard that Jesus said he's going to suffer and die, 
The Bible tells us, right, in verse 22, in the NIV, it says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Wow. A student rebuking a teacher. And here Jesus, uh, Peter was rebuking Jesus and he told Jesus, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. In other words, Peter was telling Jesus that, Hey, Jesus, all that you talk about, you dying, all this. No, 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 it will never happen to you. Alright? But then Jesus turned around and he confronted Peter. He confronted Peter and he said, Get you behind me, Satan. And at that moment, wow, you can see the twist. It was really a twist. Uh, from the whole story that Peter was supposed to be a hero, and now you say from hero to zero. Isn't it? Uh, from hero to zero, you say suddenly he said that, you know, if my father revealed to you, and next thing he said, get you behind me, Satan. So you can see the twist is there that what Peter was trying to do is that, that he tried to prevent Jesus from going to the cross, and Jesus rebuked him for the lack of spiritual understanding. He's not saying that Peter was Satan. He was not even suggesting that Peter was demon-possessed, no. But he was saying that Jesus got straight away by the plan of the devil. The plan of the devil was to prevent Jesus from fulfilling the will of the Father. And somehow, Peter, the lack of spiritual understanding was following the train of thought. And therefore, Jesus rebuked Peter. Jesus would not allow anyone to prevent him from carrying out the will of God. And Jesus knew that in order for him to build his church, he must first make the sacrifice. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it tells us that Christ loved the church that he gave himself for it. Christ loved the church that he gave himself for her. What or who constitutes the church? Believers. Because in Matthew 18, verse 20, it tells us that for where two or three Gather together in my name, there am I with them. And here Jesus is right here in our midst. We have a wonderful time of praise and worship. We can sense a tremendous presence of God. And yes, Jesus is in our midst. We are the church. So the church is not a building. It's not a structure. It's not a mere religious institution. It's made up of people of like-minded faith. Those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. In other words, I would say that the church is made up of ex-sinners who are now called saints. Ex-sinners who are now called saints. Say hallelujah. Yeah, we were ex-sinners but we are now called saints because we belong part of the church and Jesus was the one that redeemed us. Everyone that's saved is automatically part of the church who is called the body of Christ. So if you have received Jesus into your life, you are automatically part of of the body of Christ. And without the sacrifice of Jesus, there would be no church. There would be no church. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church. He has to personally do it. Nobody else can die on the cross for us except Jesus. And Jesus is not going to delegate this to somebody else and tell Peter, okay, Peter, fine. You ask me, don't go to the cross. Why don't you do it on my behalf? He didn't. He didn't. Because he knows that nobody else can except himself, all right? And so therefore, you know that Jesus must die that we might live. We all know. Jesus must die that we must live. But I also say that Jesus must die that the church might be born. If Jesus did not die, there wouldn't be the church because he is our firm foundation. 
Jesus knew that he had to pay the great price to build his church and he was willing to do so. And that is the love of Christ for the church. He loved the church and he was willing to give his, himself up for her. What does this have to say to you and me as a church? As believers, we are all members of the church of Christ. When Jesus has sacrificed himself, for the church, that means we are all recipients of his sacrifice. Then the question is, are we willing to make sacrifices to help build the church in which we are part of it so that others can be blessed? Talking about sacrifice, <clears throat> what are we willing to sacrifice for? Ask yourself, what are you willing to sacrifice for or who? Are you willing to sacrifice for? To be willing to sacrifice for something or someone, we must first value it. You don't value something, you won't sacrifice for it. Say for example, we all value our family. We value our family. Parents value our children. Children value their parents. And siblings value for one another. Even though you may have sibling rivalry, you still value one another. And because in the family, we value one another, what do we do? We are willing to make sacrifices for them. Parents are more than willing to make sacrifices for their children. Right? And so we, we, will, we are willing to sacrifice for someone that we love. Uh, and we also can go at length to say that lovers are willing to sacrifice for one another. The boy willing to sacrifice for the girl and the girl willing to sacrifice for the boy. All right? And recently, I just heard this very funny story. I'm not sure whether it's a true story or not, right? Uh, of course, you know, it ended very sad, you know. You said, wow, poor guy. But whether it's true or not, I'm not sure. Maybe some of you have heard before. Uh, I, heard it, I heard it was something like from Korea, whether it's a, 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 a show or not, or it's a kind of a song or not, I don't know. It's talking about this boy fell in love with this girl. And this girl was blind. And she could not see and you know, the, the, the boy was telling the girl, you know, you know, what is the greatest desire of our heart? He said, I wish I can see, you know, I can see. And then you can see, you know, right, that she will marry him. The boy said, okay, then. You know, when time went on, the, the girl had a surgery because she heard that somebody was willing to donate a pair of eyes for her. And so she went through the eye surgery. And after a while, her bandage was open. She was so delighted, you know, wow, now finally she could see, you know, then she can see, you know, the boyfriend and things like that. But when the boyfriend turned around, she realized the boyfriend was blinded. He has no eye. And she said, no, 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 I cannot marry you because you have no eye. And she abandoned him. And before she left, you know, she just, he just said something, take care of my eyes. Heard, have you heard of this before? You heard of this before, all right? But some, somebody, he is a comedian. He picked up this storyline. He said, I think that guy is very dumb. If he want to, and because this guy supposedly supposed to be a photographer. He said, if he want to donate his eye, why he donate one pair? Why don't he donate those one side? So both so can see. After all, he's a photographer. When he take photograph, he only use one eye. <laughs> well, I, not to make light of that, but the whole idea of this story is the willingness to sacrifice for someone you love. 
Jesus loved the church, he makes sacrifice. So, because he valued the church. In the same way, if we value the church, we will be willing to make sacrifice for the church. So, do you value the church and do you value the people in the church? When we talk about valuing the church, we are not talking about valuing the physical aspect of the church. We are talking about valuing the people of the church. Look around. Of those who sit beside you, in front of you, behind you, do you value them or not? Look, look at them, look at them, look at them. Do you value the one you know, that's around you or not? Ah. Now we must value because our attitude toward the church will strongly influence the way we relate to the church and it will strongly influence the way we treat the church. It will affect, our attitude will affect. You see, some people see the church as merely an organizational uh, uh, organization and expect a lot from the church. Say, for example, if you see the church as just a charitable organization, then we will expect the church to meet all our needs and provide everything free because it's a charitable organization. If you see the church like a club, then we will expect the church to cater to our taste and our liking. I don't like this church to change this you know, to suit my taste. I don't like that one church to change that one you know, to suit my liking. You think the church is a club. We want the church to suit us instead of we adjusting to the church. Now, if we see the church as a holy place, how many of you see the church as a holy place? Okay. Right? You are not wrong. But you see the church only as a holy place. We will expect every member of the church to behave like an angel except ourselves. <laughs> because we know that we are not holy enough. Right? But when somebody do wrong, how can Christian like that? How can this our church, you know, how can these people do like that? You see, so the way you know we think of the church, our expectation of the church will affect the way we relate to the church. You see, sometimes when we come to the church with so much expectation of what the church can do for us, we forget to ask ourselves, what does the Lord require of us to, as part of the church? I believe Jesus wants us to love the church, just as He also loved the church. Just as we are born into our natural family, we don't usually ask, what does the family will do for me? Do you all children, do you always go and ask your parents, what do you do for me? You're my parents, you know. Right? We are in the same family, you know. And parents, do you go and ask the children, hey, you are my children, what will you do for me? We don't do that. Brothers and sisters also will not always go to one another. We are in the family, you know, what do you do for me? Do you do that? We don't really do that, right? We don't really do that. We just blend together in the family. We live in harmony with the love, the protection, the guidance of the parents and the sibling will, uh, will, will live together even though you have your own fights from time to time. But it's okay. We are still in the family. We don't always ask one another, what will you do for me? What will I do for you? No. But we all chip in. We all chip in to make our home a happy home. Right? Parents will have their role to play and children will have their role to play. So, in the same way, when we are born into the spiritual family, the same principle of love applies to us. It's a principle of love. If we truly love the church, this is what we will do. Right? <clears throat> do you know what we will do if we truly love the church? Now, Christ, He bled for the church. So, what are we going to do? If we truly love the church, first of all, we will want to support the church. We will be concerned for the affairs and well-being of the church. We will be concerned. We want to know what's happening. And we will all be excited. Oh yeah, we are going to celebrate our 40th anniversary. Right? We will be concerned. Okay? And then we, we want to be familiar with the, ourselves, with the church vision. What is the church vision? What is the church vision, by the way? What is the church vision, by the way? 
Ready? One, two. A missional church that transforms life and impact nation. Right? Is it? I don't know. Uh. Don't know. Go to the website, memorize it. <laughs> Is it so? We need to know our vision statement. We need to know our mission. What's our mission? For God. Go to the cafeteria. They are all there. You know? So familiarize ourselves with it. Take notes of the needs of the church. Take notes of the needs of the member. See in what way we can help. See how we can love and care for one another. Right? And of course, pay attention. Pay attention to announcement. How many times announcement time we all chow, go toilet, come back, what's happening, we don't know. But then if we are really concerned for the church, we will take note. Uh, if we miss the announcement, we will go through the bulletin. If we miss the bulletin, we go outside, there's a TV there that plays the announcement. We want to know what is happening. We want to show concern. Right? We will pay attention. Uh, if the church is reaching out to the community, we will all reach out. That's why I say you all did very well. I'm going to congratulate you for doing very well for our food bank, you know, that we have received the, the targeted amount. Give yourself a hand. Yeah. In other words, we will not just be pew warmers. Now we don't use pew. We will not just be seat warmer, but we will participate. We are not just here to receive, but we want to contribute. We want to be alert in what's happening around the church. We want to watch out for one another. And of course, besides caring for the, uh, uh, being concerned for the church, we will be jealous for the church. What do you mean by jealous? The Bible tells us that God says He's a jealous God. When God is a jealous God, that means He will guard Himself. He will guard His name. And when we are jealous for the church, we want to ensure that, you know, that the church, uh, we want to uh, guard the church from external and internal attack. Right? External attack, internal attack. In other words, we will protect the church. Just as in the family, we protect one another. Do you know that in the church, we have formed what we call an S&S task force? SNS task force means safety and security. And those members of the heads of all task force are here. You do not know who they are. But they are actually watching, helping us to watch over the church. Helping us to watch over the safety of the church. Should there be any intruder coming in, uh, they will spring into action. They are there to support, to protect the church. They want to make sure that no, you know, uh, 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 outside people who want to come and disturb the church, you see. We have people to do that. So this, we really want to thank God for them. And if you are really keen to be part of it, right, just let Pastor Francis know. Just let Brother Edward know. Uh, we will let you uh, be involved. Uh, this is what we want. We are jealous. We want to guard the church from external, from internal attack. We want to protect the church. Right? We, you know when the church is provided, uh, protected, we want to be proud of the church. Right? We are supposed to be proud of the church. When you are jealous of the church, you will be proud of the church. You talk about the church just like you know, our nation said, we must be proud of Malaysia. Uh, of course, at one time, we were not proud of Malaysia. You know? right? we, we were always known as a kleptocratic nation, so we were not proud. But thank God, you know, now Malaysia has another reputation that we have the uh, oldest prime minister in the world, you know. And we can be proud of Malaysia because we went through a very smooth transition of government without any bloodshed. Yeah, we should be proud of ourselves, proud of our nation. In the same way, we must be proud of the church that Christ has built. Right? And of course, besides that, we must be willing to make sacrifices for the church, for the ministry of the church. Now, sacrifice is not a bad word. 
Sometimes people think sacrifice is a bad word. Don't always talk about sacrifice. Lah. Sacrifice is not a bad word. Sacrifice is part of worship. In fact, sacrifice is an act of worship. That's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We are supposed to offer our, our body as living sacrifice as unto the Lord, which is our acceptable act of worship. Jesus sacrificed himself. So sacrifice is never a bad word. In all religion, when you want to connect with God, there will always be some form of sacrifice. Those of us that come from the non-Christian background, some of us come from the uh, Taoist background, you know how our parents make sacrifices, how our mother slaughtered chicken and offered sacrifices, right? right? So there's always be some form of sacrifice. Sacrifice is not a bad word, it's an act of worship. When we say we want to worship the Lord, it's more than just singing song and raising our hand. It also means we must be willing to make sacrifice for the church, for the ministry. But how do we know if we are ready to make those sacrifices? Sacrifice is not to be seen as just one-time effort or one-off effort. There must be consistency and intentionality. It's not just saying that, okay, since the church has a food bank, I just one time I give to a food bank, that's it, I have already made my sacrifice for the rest of the church. No. Sacrifice is not to be seen in just an act of action, that's it, but consistency, intentionality. In fact, we are not expecting you to make big sacrifice for one time. But rather, you realize that it's the small sacrifices that we make consistently. That's what is pleasing to God. Say, for example, are we willing to make sacrifices for church services? Is it what church services need to make sacrifice? Why not? Because I notice that many people have problems coming to church service on time, right? Because they are not willing to sacrifice their sleep. You know, and they want to, 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 in fact, some people, they skip church services, right? Because, you know, they have other things going on. Are we willing to make those sacrifices? Huh? And coming to church early, and are we willing to make sacrifices of what we call delayed gratification? Yesterday, we have a very good financial seminar. And the speaker talked about delayed gratification. You delay yeah, your desire right? until you can afford it. So delayed gratification in the church service. I know sometimes you're hungry. But you delay your gratification until the church service is over before your child, you know? You see, a lot of people, they want to come to church late. They want to leave church early. So they just see church at just window hour. Some people say, I come for the word, I can skip worship. Some people say, I come for the worship, I don't like the work. So during work time, I just go out, jalan, jalan. Some people say, I come for the worship, I come from the work, I don't like the announcement, I child. But that's not the way. It means that this is the Today, you know, Sunday, we are dedicated this time unto the Lord. We are going to dedicate it to God. We are not going to be distracted. I'm going to come early. I'm going to prepare my heart, you know, right from the pre-service prayer. And, you know, I'm going to focus so that I can worship God with the best of my ability. I'm going to listen to the Word of God. I'm not going to scroll my handphone and, 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 and go on Twitter and, and go on my Instagram. But I'm going to pay attention to God's Word. And then I'm going to listen to an argument because I, I care for the church. I'm concerned for the affair, for what's happening in the church, you know. And then, at the end of service, I'm not going to be in a hurry. I'm to stay behind. I'm going to connect with my brother and sister. I'm going to say hello to them. I'm going to greet our friends. I'm going to greet a new visitor. I want to be bonded together with them. I want to spend a little bit more time on a Sunday with my fellow brothers and sisters because I only get to see them once a week. 
Those are the little, little sacrifices that you may need to make as well. And so it speaks a lot on our attitude, right? So let's learn to make those little, little sacrifices. And of course, we will be loyal and supportive of the church. Right? We are loyal to the church and support to the uh, 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 mission of the church. I believe that as members of the local assembly, we need to be supportive and be loyal to the church. Now, loyalty is a dying virtue. It's a dying virtue in this world of consumerism because people don't really care about loyalty anymore. They only care about what suits me. It's a consumer-oriented world. And very unfortunately, the same thing has crept into you know, the church and city churches especially. Uh, I was in Singapore two, days, uh, uh, two weeks ago. I was talking to you know, uh, uh, a different uh, Singapore pastor. And at different times, surprisingly, two different pastors, they were not together. We, were, we meet them separately. Both say the same thing. They say the problem with Singapore churches, and I believe it's going to come into Malaysia, is convenient. I want what is convenient. I go to the church for the convenience. If a little bit more convenient, I'm not going to go. Uh, if I'm going to walk a little bit more, it's not convenient, I'm not going to go. If I cannot find the parking, it's not convenient, I'm not going to go. So there is a problem, right, affecting the Singapore church. Why? Because in Singapore, the whole society has to do is convenient. Public transport is so convenient. Wherever they go, it's so convenient. So they make everything convenient for the consumer. You want to buy things, it's very convenient. You can go here and buy, you can go online and buy, it's very convenient. They deliver everything to your doorstep, it's very convenient. True or not? Yeah. Do you want convenient? We are all the convenience store? Yeah. But don't allow this mentality to creep into the church. It's very dangerous. You see, sometimes we go out of the way to fetch our family member even though it's inconvenient. Your family member is coming back from overseas. You have to drive all the way to KLIA. It's very inconvenient, isn't it? But we will do that for our loved one. Am I right? We will do that for our family members. But if it's a bit inconvenient, will you do that for the body of Christ, who is our spiritual family? Let us not allow the disease of convenience affect us. Let's be loyal to the church. Let's be willing to make sacrifice, uh, be supportive of the ministry of the church. Even though sometimes the sacrifice may not just be finances, it can be time, it can be your sacrifice of your holiday. Right? Sometimes we have event, you need to take your holiday you know, uh, to practice. It can be a sacrifice of your leisure. And making sacrifices is a choice. Say, for example, when we want to have mission trip, it's very difficult to plan. We need to think of a, 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 a season whereby there will be some public holidays so that people don't have to take so many leave. Uh, but then some people also complain, public holiday, we want it for ourselves, you see. But that's why we have to make sacrifice. You either sacrifice your leave or you sacrifice your public holiday. So which would you like to sacrifice? Or you want to sacrifice nothing? <laughs> right? So it's really up to us. Making sacrifice is a choice. How much you're willing to sacrifice for your own family is a choice. And how much you're willing to sacrifice for the spiritual family is a choice. Now, we are not going to force you. It's all about your relationship with God, your understanding of the church. Jesus has given so much to us and for us. It's really up to us 
how much we are willing to give up for Him and for the church. Jesus loved the church. He sacrificed for the church. And secondly, Jesus loved the church. He gave gifts to the church. When you love somebody, you give gifts out of the willingness of the heart. Your gift is an expression of your love. Right? And let's take a look at the gift that Jesus has given to the church. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Okay. <clears throat> verse 11 to verse 16, but what is on the uh, slide is only uh, two verses. So maybe you help me read these two verses and then I'll continue with you, uh, reading verse 13 to verse uh, 14. Now, if you have a Bible, turn to your Bible. That's best. You'll be able to see the whole complete verse. And let's just read right, these few verses together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 13. Right? Ready? Let's go. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. Come on, let's read. Some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and sacred craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Jesus loved the church and he gave gifts to the church. And we know that here specifically he talked about the fivefold ministry gift. And this fivefold ministry gift is given to the church of Christ in order that we as a body of Christ, may be equipped. We can be trained, we will be equipped to serve. That we become mature, that we will grow in our spiritual life. We will grow in our walk with Him. And of course, we will grow together in unity of faith. He's talking about growing together as a church, in unity, united together in harmony. All that the church needs, Jesus has already given. He has not given what we don't need. All that we need, He has given. Now, the fivefold ministry gift and the multifold spiritual gift that's found in Romans and found in 1 Corinthians 12, He has already given. And in fact, you can say Jesus has already made arrangement that the church can function according to each gifting, supporting one another, help together, that the body may mature as each member does His work. Jesus has made all the arrangements. God is a good planner. God always has a good plan for our life and for the church. And He has planned it all. And our part is what? Is to work according to His plan. Work according to His plan. Don't try to be smart. Don't try to go out of God's plan. Right? The gifts have already been given to us. The gifts are present in our midst. You have the gifts. All of you have the gifts. Right? And we are all the gift that Christ gave to the church and given to one another. The person seated beside you is God's gift to you. Right? It's God's gift to you. 
uh, not necessarily your wife or husband, uh, fellow brothers and sisters, they are God's gift to you to help you in your spiritual walk. Right? Whether you like those gifts or not uh, is another story. Uh. <laughs> uh, sometimes people give you gifts you don't like, but they are God's gift to you. Right? So it's very important. And since we are all God's gift to one another, Right, that God wants us to be a blessing to the body. He has called us to be a blessing, so be a blessing. Be a blessing to the person next to you. And the question is, how can we then be a blessing? How can we be a blessing? First of all, we can do our part as a responsible member of the body of Christ. God has not called us to do beyond what we are made or what we are gifted to. He has not called you to do things that he has not prepared you for. He has not called you to serve in areas that He has not gifted you the ability. When God has gifted you something, he, there is a place meant for you. So it is our responsibility then to fill up those gifts. And so God wants us to be willing to be used. Many times we receive gift, decorative items as gifts. Decorative items are very beautiful to look at. And sometimes when you display it in the house at the right place, it's very beautiful. It's very attractive. Uh, the only thing, the only uh, 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 minus point about decorative items is that uh, besides being beautiful to look at, they may not be much of practical value. But there are times God has given many of us gifts that are of practical value. And some of these gifts may be unsightly. The Bible says the gift of the body, sometimes it may not look so pleasant to the eye, but they are very useful. So each and every one of us are useful in the kingdom of God. You are the gift. You are the gift to the body. He wants us to be useful no matter how unsightly sometimes we may think we are. And since we are to be responsible, member of the body of Christ, be willing to be trained and to be equipped. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, now you can look at the screen there. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, make holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good works. We are all vessels for God in the hands of God. Here is the master's house. And he said that in this house, there are many vessels. Some are silver, some are gold, some are of wood, some are of clay. Right? We are made differently. But what is important here is really not what you are made up for, but whether you are honourable or not. Do you make yourself honourable to be used? You see? Right? So some are for special purpose and some for common use. Right? And those who cleanse themselves from the letter will be instrument of special purposes. Will you be equipped? Will you want to clean yourself? He said those who cleanse themselves, they are made holy, useful to the master and be prepared to do any good works. That's why we always encourage church that whenever we have training classes, whenever we have SCG classes, it is not so that we will have activities to go on. It's not so that we can keep the pastor busy, but rather it's for your equipping. Uh, that we may be equipped, that we will grow up in him. Uh, that we will do our part so that we can all be vessels in the hands of the Master for noble use, for special use. Each and every one of us is a vessel. To be effective, we need to sharpen our skill. 
right? We need to be at our best. Right? We need to be sharp so that when we are in the hand of the master, he can use us. We are that tools for him. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And that is the exhortation that God has given to us. And third thing we need to do is that we must keep the unity of the body of Christ. In our ministry and service, we do not do it for selfish reason, selfish motive, or selfish gain. No matter how good you are, some of you are very good. You are very gifted. Some of you are really talented. So no matter how gifted you are, we should never draw attention to ourselves or to our ability. Never. Right? The gifts are meant to bring growth and unity to the church. They are not meant to draw attention to ourselves and they are not meant to cause jealousy or competition. Don't highlight your gifts so much until other people get jealous of you. And don't highlight your gift so much until you are in competition with one another. No, the purpose of the gift is not to cause jealousy or competition. It's given so that we can share together for what? For the unity of the body of Christ. So therefore, we must grow in unity and of course, we must give as Christ has first given. As Christ gives, we can also give to the church. What can we give to the church? There are many things we can give to the church. Yes, our finances, our tithes and offering, our resources. Some of us, we can share our resources with the church. Right? For example, reaching out to the community is a collective effort. Right? And we can you know, give up our skill, our services, meeting the physical needs of the church. You know? And uh, for example, you know, when we love, we give. And when we give, we will not be calculative. When, when you love, when you give in love, you will not be calculative. Whatever we give to the church, it will flow back to us because we are part of the church. So when you say, I give this to the church, I give my talents to the church, I give my resources to the church, I give my time to the church, it flows back to you because you are also part of the church. And sometimes we receive blessing without even knowing it. Can you imagine every one of us contribute? Every one of us will receive. It's more precious to give than to receive. And when everybody gives, somebody else will receive. Right? When everybody gives, everybody also receives. Right? So that is a very beautiful concept. And I want to thank God. I want to thank God for you. I want to thank God for members of Subang Jaya Assembly who have been generous, who are willing to share what you have with the church. Many of you have helped the church in many ways, in different events, in different activities. Some of you, you know, who, are, who, who, who help the church in finance, some of you who help the church with your skill, right? with your handyman work, uh, some of you who help the church, you know, in decorating the church, you know, with, with your creative skill, right? You decorate the Christmas tree, you decorate as and when we have special events. Some of you have contributed your time in helping us, you know, with the multimedia. Some of you have dedicated your time, you know, in, uh, in, in, in helping us uh, to carry out the day-to-day -day running and administratively your IT skill, your creative idea. Right? There are so many of you who help. That is what we call the power of volunteerism. Power of volunteerism is very powerful. We volunteer, we give because we love. We don't calculate. Takira, because we love. And that's what we need to be as the church of the body of Christ. And many of these contributions may be at the background, but I want you to know that 
what you did did not go unnoticed. The leadership is aware, and most important, God is aware. And God is watching, and in due time, God will reward you. So let's, uh, let's contribute, let's give. And of course, finally, He prepares the church for eternity. Jesus prepared the church for eternity. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, what does it say here? <clears throat> it says, Husband, love your wife, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church is called the bride of Jesus Christ. And we know a bride is one that's looking forward to the future. Every bride looks forward to the future. Because the bride, bride will be going through some significant changes in her life. Some significant changes in her life. What are those changes that a bride will have to face? Many of you have been bride many years ago. Some of you are going to be bride in the very near future. So what does the bride look forward to? It's always the future. Right? There will be a change of status. There will be a change of position. Uh, and the more changes will come along the way. The change of status means from single to married. There's a change of status. There's a change of position from being a daughter, now you become somebody's wife, you become somebody's daughter-in-law, eventually you'll become a mother. Right? The change of position. And there'll be more changes when children come along the way. When one child comes along the way, so much changes. Number two, come along the way, more changes. And each time when your children grow, changes taking place. So the bright looking forward to the future is really a series of coming changes. But of course, all these changes is prepared by the bride himself. Now you see, Christ wants to make sure that the church, his bride, is ready for eternity because as a bride, we are also looking for the future. Just like any bride preparing to get married, they look forward to the day. They look forward to the day of marriage. And we, the bride of Christ, we are also looking forward to eternity, whereby we will enjoy with Christ a marriage supper of the Lamb. And the bride is the one that usually make plan and preparation for the wedding, right? She will go for facial makeup, lah. She'll go for her hairdo, lah. She'll go to try her gown. After that, she make sure that you know she she eat a, eat properly so that the gown will still fit her on the wedding day, lah. Right? She so had to do a lot of things to prepare herself so that she can present herself as the best. The bride prepare herself. She had to do a lot of of things for herself to prepare herself for the wedding day. But as far as the church is concerned, it's the other way around. It is Christ that prepared the bride. Wow. That means it's not just our own effort. It is Christ helping us. Because you know that with our own effort, right, we may not be able to make it. But it is Him that's preparing us. And how did He prepare us? He said He made us holy because He knows that we fail. We will always fail. So He is the one that makes us holy. Uh, He's the one that is uh, cleansing us with the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why reading the Word is so important. The Word of God will bring conviction to us. The Word of God will guide us and help us, you know, to, to, to uh, what you call that, to overcome temptation. And not only that, uh, so that we will become a radiant bride without blemish. So that when Christ shall come again, 
when He received us, the church, as a bride of Christ, we are without blemish. We are pure. We are holy. And there, we will be with Christ for eternity. And oops, right? This is what Christ has come to do for us. If we love the church, we will guard the sanctity of the church because Christ has come to make us holy. But that means that our life and conduct must not tarnish the image of the church or the good name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we live our life? As a church, we are connected to one another. Those of you who are sitting on my right hand side, give me a wave. All those of you. Do you know that you are connected to those sitting on the other side? Wave back at them. You are connected even though you are sitting so far away. And you may not be able to see, to see each other face clearly. And sometimes you may not even know one another, but you are connected to each other. Right? So that means we are connected. So one person's action will affect the entire body. So young people, what you do, do you know that it's going to affect all of us? And uncle and auntie, do you know that what you do is going to affect our young people? Because we are connected together. And because we are connected together, all of us need to live a life that's pleasing to God because Christ has come to make all of us holy, whether the young or the old. The Word has come to all of us so that He wants to cleanse all of us. And when He prepared the bride, He prepared the young bride and He prepared the older bride, if there's such thing. <laughs> but we will all look young. We will all look young when Christ comes. Do you believe that? You want to look young when Christ comes? Amen. Read the word more. He's going to cleanse you and make you young. <laughs> right? Because he's going to cleanse you. Right? The word of God to cleanse us and make us holy. Right? So if we do something wrong, you know that others will be affected. And if we do anything wrong as a church, do you know the world outside will be talking about? So we must guard the sanctity of the church. So take for example, you know that the press, the media like to highlight the failures of religious leaders. Any religious leaders. They like to highlight. And when the church do something good, uh, they will not mention it. Maybe just a small column. But if a church leader do something wrong, or if the church has done something wrong, wow, the press will be reporting for weeks. You'll be highlighting the same thing over and over again. These are the juicy story of the failures of some of the religious leaders. Uh, in the sense, the name of the church is tarnished. So do not for once think that what you do is your personal business. Don't think that what I do, my personal business, the church shouldn't care. Why shouldn't we care? Do consider you are part of the whole. What affects you affects the whole body. To guard the sanctity of the church, you need to guard your personal holiness. You need to guard your personal sanctity. Take care of yourself. We need to live a holy life because we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus and we should not be contaminated by sin. We need to read the word. We must prepare ourselves to meet the Lord whenever He calls us home. You see, when you live a life that is not honorable, it affects you, your reputation. And because you represent Christ, it affects the good name of Christ. And because you are part of the church family, it affects the reputation of the church. You see? So, therefore, we are all connected. So let's pray that God will help us to watch over one another. It's alright if you do something not so good. Allow other brothers and sisters to correct you because 
They are also part of instrument that Jesus used to make you holy, to sanctify you, to prepare you as a bride. So let's allow one another right, to, be, to, to allow them to correct us in love, to allow them to even rebuke us in love. Many of us don't like people to tell us what's wrong with us. But if Christ is going to prepare us, He's not just preparing individual of us. He's preparing us as a whole, as the body of Christ. Let us have the privilege of ministering and helping out and building up one another. The promised future is that we will be with Christ for eternity. And let us all be ready for that. We are all part of the church. And we are part of this local church. Jesus loved the church and He wants us to love His church. Yes, the church is not perfect, not yet. It's not perfect, not yet. That's why Jesus is purifying her, building her up and preparing her for eternal future. Let us then put aside our personal preference, put aside our own definition of what we want the church to be, but rather be committed to the church that God has established and loved, the church the way Christ loved. Let us be willing to make sacrifices for the church. Give ourselves, give our resources to the building up of the church to live a life that will honour Christ and live up the good name of the church. This is our 40 years as a church here in Subang Jaya. Let's do our best to contribute to the growth and success of the church. And one of the wishes of the church right, is that, that we will all grow together in unity. And of course, when you, you ask me, Pastor, what do we need for the church that uh, we can all contribute? But of course, we also say that one of the physical needs that we desire as a church, right, one of the wish, birthday wish of the church is that, that we can settle our building loan by end of this year. Can we then, together in unity, do it? Make a little bit more sacrifice from our part that this come this 40th anniversary celebration, we can celebrate that yes, by the help of God, we are willing to sacrifice and we can clear our building loan. If we all love the church, we will do our part to give a little more than before and be willing to sacrifice and it can be done. We all love the church. Let's build each other up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray, shall we? Can I have the musicians to come on stage? And before that, let me just give you my last slide. Uh, not only we love the church, Where's my last slide? My last slide. Yes, I love my church. Can we all say that? I love my church. Amen. Right. <clears throat> the worship team is going to lead us in the song, Christ is the Center. Am I right? <laughs>